This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I am Jay White. Wilts Contreras is out this week. We appreciate you listening to Everyday Tech. And you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Jeremy Thompson is the Hattiesburg computer doctor on the campus in the student union at Southern Miss. Jeremy, good morning. How's it going, man? Good morning, Jay. Going great. Uh, staying busy as always. I know you, uh, your, uh, I, I guess your routine now uh, it seems like lately it has you out early in the morning on Wednesdays out doing stuff. You got early calls yep. on Wednesdays these days. Yeah, and I believe that was a Gap Band reference. I am not <laughs> trying to find me another lover. <laughs> it was, but I'll take it. it or it was not. I I will not take uh, credit for the reference, but uh, I appreciate it nonetheless. So, what's been going on on the bench this past week at the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor? Oh, well, uh, let's see. Um, I had a uh, business client contact me recently. And they're like, hey, that computer that you worked on last year, it's not working. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I went and uh, checked it out. And sure enough, wouldn't Remember do that. That, fix, I was like, that fix is unfixed now. It's unfixed now. Yeah. <laughs> fix it. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I went and checked it out. And sure enough, it wouldn't boot into Windows. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take it with me. So I took it with me and I uh, brought it back to my office. And I'm looking at it and it's it's sort of working like I, I switched out the SATA cable so I was like yeah, it's okay maybe it was just a bad SATA cable and it sort of worked uh, and then it would get to Windows and Windows would boot up and then it would just blue screen like almost immediately and I was like hmm that's weird Ooh. so uh, then you know eventually with Windows 10 can't really uh, I'm sure Windows 11 is the same way uh, once it fails to boot three times It'll come up and it'll go automatically repairing. Mm. Maybe. Maybe automatically repairing. It may just be a little spinning dot on your screen and you don't know what I'm doing. Well, this is what's supposed uh, to happen next, right? <laughs> right. So uh, eventually it'll either tell you like, yes, I can repair it or no, there's a bigger problem. We're going to try to send you into the Windows setup screen to see if maybe you can fix this. So I went in there and, you know, I clean up the disk. Because if Windows is having issues, usually a check disk is a good way to start when it's acting weird. So I did that, and the check disk took a while, and I was like, mm-hmm, that's fishy. So <laughs> after it finished, I tried to just regularly boot into Windows, and bam, blue screen again. I was like, okay, it's going to be a fun day. So um, eventually, I uh, get back into the uh, pre-boot menu there with all the setup options and everything, and you can still, you know, you can still get into safe mode. So uh, I booted up safe mode. So this is the past right the part. Up. This is past the part when you've been uh, reading your mechanical books, and now you're putting on your investigative hat. Correct. And uh, you got to go yeah, search. So, so I went into safe mode and I booted it up, and it it did fine. It's totally stable. I was like, huh, that is strange. So I tried to do all these different Windows system file fix things and none of them worked and it's like mm, yeah this is usually the way it goes it's like chasing your tail when you're trying to find a way to repair windows sometimes and this was just one of those times so anyways after sitting here and 
fiddling with this thing for way longer than I really wanted to. I was like, okay, maybe it's a bad drive. So I took the bad drive and I put it in my drive cloner and I put a good drive in there and I cloned the bad drive to the good drive. And guess what happened? Blue screen. Nope. It started working just fine. Um, You set me up right there. I know. And it was sort of like anticlimactic, but also it worked like it was fixed after that job. Well done. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting because normally, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't seem to make sense. Like, why? Why would you dump a bad drive onto a good drive? Well, I don't know why it worked, but man, did it work? Is that a physical thing? Maybe like a like a physical default or something? I don't know because the other drive in question was a solid state drive. So, the, the, so there can't be like I mean, unless it's just like some like blunt, like breaking or you know physical trauma. Yeah, it's, like it's got to have some kind of strange issue with uh, some of the like the board in there or the memory or whatever. But yeah, there, there's no there's no there's no hardware in there as far as like anything physical that's moving that could break yeah it's all it's all very much not moving Hmm. so anyways that was a that was a really strange issue and uh i was it was a shot in the dark that that was actually going to fix it i mean it seems counterproductive like or counterintuitive uh that you would do something like that but uh obviously that's not the first time i've tried something like that and succeeded so i was like hey let's try it again there you go so it was okay on a new drive just needed to be let loose. Needed a bigger yard. That's what it was. It just needed to move into a house with a bigger yard. Maybe, I guess. Pretty, I yeah, that's not a perfect analogy, but we'll go with it. <laughs> All right. Now, let me hear about your earbuds in the fire pit. I, this is this is the note I have in, in our show page. My earbuds in the fire pit story. Boy, that's a couple of words that sets up a big possible uh, ending on the other side. Okay. So, I have a fire pit in my backyard that I routinely burn stuff in. Well, I'd gotten a little behind on my burning, and uh, I was pretty involved with the fire pit. It, you know, it got after dark, and I had my earbuds in because I was listening to music. And I'm out there throwing stuff in the fire pit, and next thing I know, my earbud falls out of my right ear. Oh, no. I was like, okay. So when you lose your earbuds, I've got the Samsung Buds, and uh, – the pros, at least, I don't know about the other ones. I can't remember. Uh, you can do like a little find my earbuds thing. They probably all do it now. But uh, basically, you go into the app and then you can tell it to like make them, you know, make a noise so that you can find it. Well, I go into the app and it uses the Smart Things app to try to find the earbuds. Oh, yeah. And. It kept telling me that smart things couldn't connect. And I was like, come on, smart things. I don't ever need to find my earbuds because I always keep them in check. And the one time I need this program, (laughs) you're telling me that you can't help me. Because, see, here's the thing. Like, I like to use one earbud at a time. Okay. And every time, you you know, it saves battery because you're not, you know, you're not burning through both at the same time. You just put one in. You can still hear out of the other ear. Uh, but the issue is that smart things will tell you every time, every single time you put in one earbud, Hey, I can't find your other earbud. <laughs> That's okay. Smart things. It's in the case. Promise you it's safe. But 
Okay, so it's Could almost not. like it needs to be updated to operate uh, or to know how to operate with with a user just using one. Right. Like it's not used right. to that. And well, I, I but I know to... where you're at because I don't like to use both because I like, depending on where I am, I like to keep a little bit of a, a awareness around me. So I like to keep sure. one ear open so I can like hear if I'm about to get, you know, if somebody's creeping on the come up, I guess, maybe or something like yeah. that. You got to totally, especially like, hey, you got a fire going. You need to hear something gets out of hand quickly. Right. So, yeah, I'm so, 100% with you. So, I, you know, it's always popping up when I don't need it. Hey. Your earbuds missing? No, it's just in the case. I promise you. I just put it there. No, but it's missing. No, it's it's still in the case. Anyways, so uh, I'm trying to get the program to come up to to tell me where my earbud is, and it's still like I just I can't connect. I, I, I'm having issues, so I close it out. I restart my phone, and I'm like, my earbud is probably melted by now. You're not helping me, smart things. So <laughs> finally, my phone reboots. I go into it once again, and I'm finally able to locate my earbud with it making noise but next to a roaring fire yeah that can be kind of hard to hear Mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was it was tricky um i didn't love being a part of that that find my (laughs) i've I've learned any kind of find my apps that that's not for like acute up close gps tracking that's for like if you left it somewhere else and you need to figure out where else that could be well, you know, uh, I knew it's approximate location, yeah. and I was hoping it wasn't directly in the fire pit because I really wasn't sure where it landed. It was just too dark to see it. Yeah. And the earbuds are black, of course, so you can't see it in the dark <laughs> next to a fire. But anyways, I was able to find my earbud and blow it off and put it back in the case, and, and it didn't melt. all was well again. Well, but it was, it was a frantic five to seven minutes while I was trying to get everything to work. Yeah, the the find my and then I have like uh, I use tile apps uh, because I bought them before. Yep, this is how old all mine are. <laughs> I, I bought them before Apple got into the whole, uh, um, I guess, uh, tile making or whatever they I forget what they call them. But anyway, before they got into that market, um, air tags. Thank you. But um, uh, yeah, it it's when when you need. To find something close by is not necessarily always the best. Like, if if it's nope. closer in than a regular like house and yard, you know, like I don't know, I don't want to judge him. Like a middle class house and yard. If you need a bigger space or a smaller space than that, mm, find my. You're gonna just you're gonna have a big blue dot that you're gonna be searching inside of. And I know that sounds weird, but it don't get closer than that. Uh, it's 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 an approximation for sure. All right, let's get to the phones. We got a couple of calls that are already lined up, and they've been on here for a moment. We want to get to them. We got a couple of stories we want to get into today. There's plenty to talk about. As I mentioned at the billboard of the show, uh, we can talk about AI until we're blue in the face, and um, talk about aspects of it that you haven't heard about yet, or, or or you could talk about the aspects of it that you're using that we haven't heard about yet. Now, here's a story, and I won't get totally into it because we're going to take calls here, but here's a summary of one of the top stories today or this week. Uh, the headline says, artificial intelligence was given control of a satellite and immediately began tracking Japanese and Indian military bases. Now, here's a summary. According to the article, an AI algorithm, okay, a mathematical Scientific scientific algorithm was given control of a satellite by a Chinese tech company, and it by itself 
immediately started tracking Japanese and Indian military vessels in the East China Sea. The algorithm was reportedly able to quickly identify and track the vessels, and the company plans to continue testing and improving the AI's capabilities. The article raises concerns about the potential use of AI for military purposes. Yeah, no kidding. And the need for regulation in the area. Well, that was figured out quickly. So not even the Chinese government, allegedly, TikTok, but some company in China put a algorithm into a satellite and it immediately began tracking its military adversaries. Gulp, to start us off today, is Mike in Tupelo with a question about his Wi-Fi. Mike, good morning. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. We entered, we entered the 21st century, and <laughs> thanks to Tom, the electric, we now have fiber at our house. And um, so I've hooked up uh, a number of devices in the home, so I know it's working fine. But when it comes to two Dell laptops that have been on a Wi-Fi through AT&T hotspot, None of them will, neither of them will see the uh, fiber network that's out here. Okay. Got you. And so uh, these are probably pretty old, huh? They are. And I've gone in and checked the network adapters after Dr. Google suggested that, and uh, they're both up to date. So I'm so, that deep in, but I'm struggling still. I think that your issue is that because these devices are older, they are only operating on a 2.4 gigahertz network, and probably your fiber device is uh, leaning more towards the 5 gigahertz network. Uh, so you would need to put a newer Wi-Fi antenna in those devices in order to use them with that network. Now, there might be a way to break the 2.4 gigahertz network out from your fiber network, but sometimes they use – a lot of times these days they use – excuse me. <clears throat> they use the same name, and uh, your device can have trouble telling the difference between the two. But it sounds like there isn't a 2.4 gigahertz network because your other device should be able to see it. Um, that's that's the most obvious thing that I can look at, and you can you can pretty much figure this out uh, if you get a newer wireless USB card and you put it in that computer. You should almost immediately see the new networks as long as the card installs properly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. I've got, no, it's probably, that's probably exactly the problem. So, uh, new network card adapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can get like a little USB network adapter that you can just plug in the side because more than likely those have internal antennas that you wouldn't be able to replace with something that would, well, you might be able to find an internal antenna that would be compatible, but a lot of the older ones only had one antenna, and a lot of our newer stuff uses dual band. So you can also get a bit of a speed increase if you just change out the type of antenna that you're using. All right. Well, I'll look for the plug-in USB ones. That should solve the problem. That should resolve it. Great. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good yeah, day. And in the meantime, Mike, you could also uh, plug in through Ethernet if those devices yeah. have Ethernet ports, and you can use the Internet that way. Yeah, I got one running on a cord right now, so I, I, I know that it, it'll connect that way. Fantastic. All right, Mike, we right. appreciate the call this morning. Thanks for starting us off. All right. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. I'm Jay White. Wilts Cotrera is out this week. Let's go right back to the phones. Uh, let's go first to Rex, who is in Louisiana. Rex, thanks for calling this morning. What's going on? 
Good morning. I have ordered a camera for a bird box, for a bird nest box. And it's coming from a country that is that the U.S. is not necessarily on good terms with. And it has an application with this camera that I can put on my phone or on my TV, smart TV, or PC. How can I be assured that this software doesn't spy on me? Ooh. How can I be sure that this software isn't spying on me? What a good question. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, first off, um, do you have an iPhone or an Android? I have an iPhone. Okay. But I also have a, a Macintosh uh, well, computer. Well, uh, if you have an iPhone and this company with this camera has an app in the Apple in the App Store – I always call it the Apple Store. Uh, then you should uh, have an app that has been vetted by Apple's technicians to be allowed in the App Store, and it's very unlikely that it would be able to spy on you. Okay. Which pretty much you have to depend on Apple to do that due diligence for you, unless you are a uh, forensic data type person. Um, you yeah. would. You would have to dig through your uh, packets that are coming out of your network and see where they're going. So it would it would require a little bit of know-how in order to do that. Yeah, I don't have that know-how. Right. So you just have to rely on Apple uh, doing that for you and uh, assuring you that the app is safe, and that's why it's in the App Store. If it's not, uh, and they find out later, they will remove it. Okay. And so if it what if it comes straight in? They just offer it from their website. I should be uh-huh. wary of that. I mean, I, I don't. I don't understand what you mean. Do you mean that the application for the camera is only available on their website? I haven't haven't received the camera yet, so I haven't uh-huh. gotten the details on where it's coming from. But I would love for it to come through the Apple Store. But I, well, I, I, I can tell you that, this: if the uh, if the camera comes. If you if you have to go to the uh, the company's website to download an app in order to use the camera, you will not be able to use that on your iPhone. What it's probably going to do is refer you to some generic camera app that is compatible with the uh, the chipset and all the the electronics that are in the camera. Um, most of the stuff that I've seen purchased has some kind of generic app that comes along with it that's already been verified. I would be surprised if yours didn't. Um, what company is the camera from? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not looking at it right now. It's like Green Earth, and they're so, a subsidiary of Golong or Gulong. This, or, this could very well be a rebranded dropship product. That's very common, especially if you don't know where it's coming from. So I would just wait until you got it and then see what the instructions say. Okay. All right, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's good. All right, Rex, we appreciate it. I'll tell you what, if if it's electronic and it connects to the Internet, somebody – now, look, it's not – it might not be collecting what you're doing and connecting it to your name and passing that along to other people, but it show enough is tracking the repetitiveness of what you're doing, and it's adding that data to other data so they can better put ads to sell – product in front of people 
It's taken. It's taken your. Um, uh, what's the words I'm trying to say here, Jeremy? Maybe you can help. I'm trying to communicate here on the radio. It's taking your yeah. uh, patterns, basically. Yeah, it's track. It's tracking your habits and your patterns, and it uses that data. And data it's is the it, most. It it is it is the most precious commodity on planet Earth right now, and it doesn't have to have your name attached to it at all to be valuable. Yeah. All right, Rex. Didn't mean to uh, put that downer on you, but it was, it was kind of an upper at the end, right there, knowing that it could it could just be your habits and not your name necessarily. But feel fleeced okay. in some sort of fashion. Thanks. All right, Rex. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Do you want to wrap that? You you want to add anything to that before we take uh, our next call? Um, okay. So basically, if you get a camera and it comes with an app, and you get it from the app store, it should be relatively safe. Like Jay said, it is tracking your behavior, your activity. Uh, it may be tracking other things that we're not even aware of, but that's kind of just the trade-off that we make when we uh, download apps for our devices. Sure. Having said that, um, I feel differently uh, as far as Android goes because the apps are supposed to be mm-hmm. examined, but it is much more likely that malware would creep in over an Android app than it would over an iOS app. In other words, the apps that you get out of the Apple, uh, the, the, out of the Apple environment on the front end before they're even released to you, they are much, much more properly vetted, I guess is what you're saying. Then the Google play store, a lot of stuff makes its this way is, into the Google, Google play store. That is very lightly vetted. This is correct. And yeah. also, <laughs> when you install an app on your device, it is going to ask for permission to access certain things, microphone, camera, location, storage, et cetera, et cetera. Your Google account. You, right. Your contacts. You have to make sure your, your firstborn child. Uh-oh. Uh, you, you have to make sure that you want to give that app permission to access those things. And if you do not, then you need to make sure that you tell it no. A lot of times now you'll open an app and it will say something along the lines of, uh, do you want to use this always? Do you want to use this once or only when this app is on? Or do you want me to always ask you? It's what, what some, some option like that. And I typically go for, if it's something I use all the time, then I'll say, you know, you can use this while I'm using the app. Yeah but nothing in the background. And then for other apps that I don't use that often, it's like, you're going to ask me every time. So you control that. Even if you have something uh, from the app store, that's on your phone uh, that could be malicious. There are other ways that these things can break the rules, but for the most part, they have to play by certain rules in order to operate on Android. So it's much less likely that something would be capturing that information without you already allowing it to do so through the app. And here's on the iPhone anyway, and I don't know what it says currently on Android devices, but on 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 Apple devices these days, when you install a device like that and then it wants to track your movement and your option to say no is listed as ask app not to track. Well, I don't like that wording at all. I want to tell that app not to track me. But the way right. that Apple words it, the button that I have to click is ask, 
No, I'm not. Ask, nicely. I, I'm not asking that app to not track me. I want to tell that app not to track me, but I don't get the option to. And I don't like that wording. But there's nothing well, I can do about it because I have an iPhone. So I just kind of have to let it be. Well, with your iPhone, you know, you have better protection towards your privacy. Uh, Apple's the one that gets all your info. They make it much more difficult for app developers and social media to uh, glean information from your phone. Yeah. Doyle is up next in Vicksburg. Doyle, thanks for hanging on for us. What's going on? All right. Uh, several of my uh, coworkers send me PDF documents that have an electronic signature. I have to review these documents, uh, put an electronic, my electronic signature on there, and then send them on to other people. But I cannot put my electronic signature on a document that has already been signed. Mm. Is there an easy way to avoid a workaround? And I'll tell you the workaround in a minute, if <laughs> possibly. What's your workaround? Yeah, I want to hear the workaround, too. All right. The workaround is I uh, print the document on a printer. I put it in another printer and have it scanned and sent back to my computer. I open that. Uh, what I get back from the uh, scanning is a PDF, and then I can sign it. Oh, okay. Electronically sign it. Oh, you real, well, you real world. You real, you real world working around that. Okay. But is there a something <laughs> other than my yes. workaround that I can uh, approve a document that uh, electronically sign it and pass it on? Well, I may be mistaken here, but I believe that the PDF only has one signature field. And when you've signed that signature field, the document thinks that business is done, so it's not going to let you sign it again. Like, it'll let you re-sign it, but it'll only let you put one signature on there, right? Yes. Okay, so you have to have a PDF with multiple signature fields if you need multiple signatures on a document. Okay, multiple signature fields. Okay. Correct. You need to go into your buddy Adobe Acrobat, and if you don't have that, get that. But uh, Adobe Acrobat will help you set up more than one signature field on your document. But you're going to need to edit the original document to put that extra signature field on there or however many you need. Okay, I understand. All, all right. right. I didn't know that. We all, all learned right. something today. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Yes, sir. I like Doyle's workaround. He brought that he brought that that file into the real world and reprinted it and saved it as a PDF so he could go back over top of it with his signature. That is a Jay White fix if there ever was one. You could also <laughs> download an app that will let you Right, on top of PDFs that would also let you do it. But ultimately, to solve his problem from being something that he has to jump over or like a hurdle that he has to deal with all the time, he just needs to add another signature field to his original document. All right. Hey, Doyle, we appreciate the call. And give us a call back, depending on how that works. Well, regardless of how it works. Thank you for your help. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Right back to the phones we go. Justin, as we mentioned, is in Mobile. Justin, thanks for uh, hanging on for us. What's going on uh, this morning? Uh, Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I think that there are a lot of other people who may have encountered this. All right. Um, uh, A phone issued during pandemic from AT&T. 
temporary PIN notice declared on my phone number only, um, not authorized by me. Have been assured with call to AT&T, the number that I got on the bill, not the number that was left on the PIN. They did give me a notice. I did not call that number until I double-checked with AT&T's number. Then since uh, they did, since what, what I was told by the rep was since they did not have my password, it is now secured. And unless someone is talking directly to me, is this true and reliable? Um, I'm sorry. I, I feel like maybe we picked up this story in the middle of it. You didn't really tell us, like, what's happened. Nothing happened except that the, the, I got a, the notice on my messaging that someone had applied for a temporary TIM notice. What is a TIM notice? Can you can you please let us know what that is? P I N. I, okay. I'm thinking you can tell me. Oh, like a pin, like a pin identification. Yeah, notice. like a pin. Yes. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Personal identification number. Yeah. Notice. Okay, you got a pin notice from your phone company. Yes. Okay. What What happened after and that? And that's like, why what, I called them. Okay. What. It was not authorized by me. I have not loaned my phone to anyone. I don't ever loan my phone to anyone. Okay. So That's what? what, what you know, that, so you got this notice, but sure like, what, what has happened? Are, are you are you locked out of your device? Or are are you unable to to get no, service? No, I'm not locked out. I just want to know that having been assured, Mikey. Oh, she's gone. That's my bad. I think I hit the I hit the wrong button. Well, you don't want a pin invite to come from your phone from out of nowhere. You definitely don't want to share that number with anybody, especially if you can't verify the source. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I don't really know. So let's take let's 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 grab this and take kind of a thirty thousand foot view uh, about like phone safety. Per se, or uh, let's take it even further than that. Personal information, your phone. Why would your? Is there an instance when your phone would be asking you for personal information unsolicited? I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty wide open question. I mean, I guess there's ways it, sounds, it could. It sounds like she got a text. Yeah, that said, I'm, I'm honest. I don't know what to make of it. Like it, basically, if you got a text and it says there's a pin number or something in it, and you didn't request it, yeah, disregard it. Yeah, don't even worry about it. All right, eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. Let's move along to Craig in Biloxi. Craig, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's happening? Good morning. Uh, I'm wondering how what would be the best way to store for a long term, uh, like a photo album, whether it's floppy disk or. Uh, an external hard drive or CDs. Uh, I think they all go bad. I'm not sure. So as far as long-term storage goes, how decades. how long are we talking here? Decades. Like like a regular photo family photo album, you know. Internet's not going away. I, well, and, and I think... Can stuff, on, can stuff on the internet, I mean, on the cloud be hacked or lost? Oh, Absolutely. Um, but it, it, can it be lost? I mean, yeah, if, 
if the sites that access to it can be lost. data were nuked, but that's kind of like the purpose of cloud data is redundancy. So no, it's not likely. But if you want to store data for that long, uh, you need to look at like MDisk. They're supposed to last hundreds or even thousands of years. Uh, and then you've got tape storage, which that lasts a few decades. Mm. And then your hard drives and your SSDs, I would only trust those for five to seven years, maybe 10 max. But that's really if you've got that data in more than one place. But if, you're, if your goal is to store data for long term, then I would look at MDisk. How, how do you spell that? Uh, the letter M dash D-I-S-C. Okay. What is? Yeah, tell okay. me a little bit about MDisk, or, or, or a little bit about your suggest why you're why you picked that as your suggestion. It's an archive grade optical disk. Wow! I'm not a genius, man. I just googled this like decades data storage, and it's like archival grade optical disk like MDisk promised to last hundreds or even thousands of years. That's cool. Hey, Craig, but here's the thing: like anything that's tactile, anything that's like uh, physical that you can hold, it's going to break down. The Earth's going to break it down. Over time, yeah, yeah. I, but I've digital digital information, the Earth can't break that down. You can lose access to it, but it ain't it ain't going nowhere. Like it can't it I, can't break down. It can't break on the internet. Your access your your access to it can be broken, but it can't break. There is no one perfect way yeah. to store all of your data. That's why we always say you should put your data in three places: the computer that it's on. Uh, an external drive or a CD or an M-Disc or something like that, and then somewhere in the cloud. That way, if any of those points fall out, you can always restore them. But you have to just make sure to do your due diligence on your own data and and make sure that it's preserved. But if you want to keep it and you want it in physical form, then you want to put it on a, a disc. All righty, that works for me. All right, Craig, we appreciate the call from Biloxi this morning. I don't want, I keep wanting to sitch my swillables around all day today. I don't know what that's about. Usually I just put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, but uh, today I can't even get that right. All right. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Jeremy Thompson, I and Jay White. Welts Contreras is out this week. Don't get to that Contra intro very much. That Contra sweeper is is pretty sweet. Jeremy, artificial intelligence was given control of a satellite and immediately began tracking Japanese and Indian military bases. Um, so Chinese scientists, they're worried about uh, the idling of satellites used for remote sensing. Experts believe that the spacecraft often collect data that is of no value. That's bad data. They've tried to solve the problem by using artificial intelligence, and here's what we know. Scientists have created a language model like ChatGPT with the ability to show initiative. AI with initiative. Jeremy, initial thoughts, me just asking you that. AI with initiative. That's nuance, and that's frightening to think about. I How do you do curious. that? How do you show AI? How does AI learn initiative? What? Yeah, so there are people that are trying to monetize AI by itself. Absolutely. Like, I see. I make, see. Your own, make your own website. Make, you know, do do something to make money on the Internet. I see the YouTube that links makes, every day. One guy. Uh, $30,000 like a day. He made like $136 yeah. so far or something. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, a little, you know, for doing I'll take a it. lot of work. I'll take the it. Back end, it's, it's impressive. I am curious to see, like, uh, what 
what we are going to read about in the next five years that AI is doing or has done. Because in the past, we've seen some pretty shocking results with just chat bots. So now we're giving them control of satellites. Something I hope that is being handled very delicately. That's right. Uh, so I, I'm waiting for the AI company to found itself, become an LLC, and have personhood in the United States. Uh-oh. And it's slowly going to take over everything. And then before you know it, the United States will be owned by an AI. With an LLC. That's the, <laughs> that's the important part. That's right. <laughs> Since they have personhood, that's the only way it can do it, right? Hey, look, when, just when, take over everything. When AI, no soul. when AI by itself knows how to open offshore accounts, like in uh, Aruba, Barbados, places like that, yeah, that's that's when we know for sure. Like when it opens up tax shelters in like Luxembourg, we're shot. AI. These <laughs> these things are being used to code. Yeah. So it's, I mean, honest, it's so weird thinking about it, but it's a real possibility that one of these things is going to like, or is already building yeah. itself. So how about, um, uh, I don't want to get into the, the fact that, um, uh, Fox it's news channel bad. and, um, uh, Tucker Carlson part ways, uh, by and large, Thanks you to know, a seven hundred. I heard that today, <laughs> and I haven't stopped smiling since. Oh, well, see, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get into anything like that. <laughs> but I did want to connect it like this. That was. It's. It's been said that that was largely based off the seven hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit that Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports, Fox News, old habits die hard, is having to deal with. Uh, thanks to the Dominion uh, voting machine. Um, settlement well how about this uh there is a, a historic quote-unquote 725 million dollar settlement that uh users can get into with facebook and its parent company meta now we've discussed on this show jeremy just how Wait, many hey, hold up you got to read my comment on that one <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning into it we've okay, discussed okay. on this show several times just how many users facebook has across the globe so like, oh, like six billion people live on Earth? No, that's well, this wrong. Is only U.S. users. Okay. All right. Well, give me some of the math, Jeremy. So seven hundred and twenty-five million. I'm sure there are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of American Facebook users. So just how thirty-nine million. So just how much can you get out of this settlement if you jump in on it? How much was it again? Seven hundred and twenty-five million. Seven hundred and twenty-five million. So no, I think that's like three bucks a person, man. Three bucks a piece. Let's go. Anyone in the U.S. who has had a Facebook account at any time no, since wait, May twenty-fourth. Like I'm not good at math. <laughs> since May twenty-fourth, two thousand seven. So that's almost everybody can now apply for their share of a seven hundred twenty-five million dollar privacy settlement that the parent company Meta has agreed to pay. At this point, it's still unclear just how much each person would get. Uh, We'll put a link to this story from Complex.com that has a a link to a tweet that has a link to the actual 
website. FacebookUserPrivacySettlement.com is the actual website if you want to go to it. You can uh, get in on uh, trying to submit your claim for part of this uh, $725 million bounty. Jeremy, are you in? I should have gone with my gut. It was three. You guys, (laughs) we could all have $3 if every person gets in on this class action lawsuit. You will get $3 for allowing Facebook to mine and sell your data for the last decade. We did it, you guys. We finally made some money (laughs) off our own data. If you uh, join this lawsuit, you'll probably get this check in like what a couple of years, right? When you'll be owed three <laughs> more, do- you'll be owed so three more dollars by that point. Yeah, it'll be worth a dollar fifty by that point. Right. <laughs> 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 it will have half in value by that point. I, I just want to look. I I want to get a class action started where. I just want, I want us to, I, I, I want, how about this? I want the U.S. government to, and maybe somebody in the, I know state government listens to MP, a bunch of people on both sides. They don't say they do, but I know they do. They listen to MPB all the time. So some folks are listening right now. All I want, y'all, is some commission, you know? Just give me, just give me a commission check off my data. I just I want to have a personal identification number. And when any company, you know, hits the dopamine button on my data like they want to, you know, the cha-ching button, I just want a little cut. That's it. I want a standardized, way below rate government cut. You want the Spotify of data brokers. Yes, that's it. That's all. So you want want, your pennies in the mail. That's it. I want my fraction. Pennies. Pennies nothing. I want my fractional (laughs) pennies in the mail. (laughs) If we're talking about the Spotify rate, I'll even take the YouTube rate at this point. Which one is better, the Spotify rate or the YouTube rate? The YouTube rate jumps around all the time. The YouTube rate jumps. As soon as Spotify as soon as people find a way to gimmick the YouTube YouTube algorithm to actually make some decent money, that's when YouTube changes it. God bless Google, right? Anyway, God bless. God bless them. So yeah, artificial intelligence, according to this article, and AI I'm working back back around, an AI algorithm was given control of a satellite by a Chinese tech company, and it by itself immediately went and started tracking Japanese and Indian military vessels in the East China Sea. And it was quickly able to identify and track individual vessels. Yikes. Uh, Yeah, so that, and you can get your three pennies from Facebook. There's got to be better news, right? How about this? Tile's latest accessory, and this plays back into a little bit, Jeremy, to you talking about losing your earbud and your uh, pit fire in the yard. Tile is putting out an accessory to help track your cat. Hey, it's Kevin Farrell right here in front of me right now. The article reports that Tile, a company known, of course, for its Bluetooth tracking devices, they've launched a new accessory that can help track pets, specifically cats. The Tile for Pets, and that's a proper noun, device can be attached to a cat's collar and allow owners to track their pet's location using the Tile app on their smartphone. The device also includes a built-in light to 
to help locate the cat in the dark. The article notes that the device is part of a growing trend of tech being used to track pets and that it could be useful for owners who worry about their cats wandering too far from home. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Thanks for the call. Stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. We'll be back here next Wednesday at 10 for Everyday Tech right here on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.